Welcome to the Real Life Fitness Stories podcast. I'm your host, Scott Roberts. Stick around for inspiring real-life stories of incredible resilience and achievement. Thank you for listening. Let's be inspired. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a brand new episode of Real Life Fitness Stories. We have something a little bit different for you this time around, um, which I will get to in a minute. First of all, I owe everyone an apology. Um, We haven't had one of these episodes for a good few weeks. Um, That is all my fault. I can't find any guests. Um, So a few people I've had in the pipeline um, have just not been able to get on and record. Um, So if you do know anyone that has an inspirational story, if you've been listening, I think we're about 10 episodes deep now. If you've been listening to them, hopefully you have a good idea of where this podcast is going. Anyone with an inspirational story, whether it's coming back from low parts of their life to achieve something, incredible physical achievements, just normal people, not necessarily people in the fitness industry, normal people with a very good story. If you can send them my way, it would be hugely appreciated because it means this podcast can continue. I really enjoy it. I hope you guys enjoy it too. I don't think I'm going to enjoy this one as much. I'll be honest, I do get a bit nervous before these because, well, numerous things can go wrong. I'm not very good with technology. So doing a podcast is quite nerve-wracking for me. Um, I'm even more nervous this time around because I'm the one being interviewed. So I'm about to introduce you to an amazing human being called Kath, who is actually one of my (laughs) clients. Um, You can't, if you're watching a video, you can't see her. We're talking about technical difficulties. (laughs) I I can't actually see her, Um, but hopefully we can hear her. Hello, Kath. Hello. Right. We can hear you loud and clear. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Good to to see you anyway, even though you can't see me. Yeah, maybe it might be better to turn my video off as well. (laughs) So... Just so everyone actually knows who you are and not just some random voice at the end of this, Mm. um, you've got 20 seconds to introduce yourself. All right, gosh. Um, Hello, everyone. I'm Kath. I am Scott's client. Um, I've been a client for a long time. Um, I'm very interested in Scott's background because my job is um, I'm a nosy parker and I'm a clinical psychologist. So I like to know everything there is to know about people. Hence why I volunteered um, and suggested that I interview Scott. Um, just to put a caveat on this, I'm not interviewing Scott under the under my professional title. So this is just me, Kath, as Scott's mate and client, not as a clinical psychologist. So I'm, I'm not assessing been... you, Scott, today. I'm not I've doing a been... clinical assessment. <laughs> I've just been going back through the questions you sent. I'm not so sure about that. So, I, think I it... won't be diagnosing anything. <laughs> so with me being the host, I think it's actually a good way of getting people to know me mm-hmm. a bit deeper. I did kind of touch on a few things in the first ever episode. Um, but yeah, I think we, well, we're going to go very deep. So well, we'll see. We'll see. It's it's all about kind of you connecting with people out there, isn't it? And I thought that this would be helpful. 
<laughs> Should we get into it? <laughs> right, well, actually, I've got the easy part now. I just have to answer questions and be honest. So you've got the <laughs> tough part now. I will hand over the reins to you. Um, you're in control of the next 50-ish minutes. Okay. Well, I'm not going to be responsible for timing because uh, I think that can be your job. So, Well, the, the time is basically when Lola comes through the door. And, right, and, okay. And, and we'll know when that happens because we'll hear her five minutes before. So yeah. you crack on. I'll try and be as honest as possible with you and hopefully we've got a very good <laughs> podcast out of it. All right, let's give it a go. Um, so, well, the, okay, just to ease yourself in gently then, you just, you just in, you know, in 20 seconds, say a little bit about you. Give us a little summary of you. Right. Snapshot. I am Scott Roberts. I do not have a middle name. 41 years old. I was born in Yorkshire. I grew up in Hertfordshire. When I was 25, I moved to Marbella. Um, to work for our family construction business in Gibraltar at 30, well, 29, 30, that had gone horribly wrong. And I trained to become a personal trainer. I started that here in Marbella and ended up moving to Manchester to live with Janie after about five dates. We were there for five years, got married, bought a flat. And then at the age of 35 36 ish we moved back to marbella that's where i moved most of my this is 120 seconds i moved most of my <laughs> pt business online got a dog lola appeared and now i'm sat here talking to you wow okay so a lot of moving around a lot of change mm -hmm. and so i guess my head instantly starts to go kind of the foundations of kind of that have enabled you to do all that in your life. So, you know, as a psychologist, we are always curious about background, childhood, you know, and um, those building blocks, early years building blocks that then kind of shaped and developed you. So I suppose I'm quite intrigued about your childhood, given that you moved so much, maybe. And just a little, you know, just an idea of your childhood memories and, um, Kind of how you describe your childhood, happy memories as well. Right. So my dad had a construct, well, numerous construction businesses. So when we were six, well, sorry, when I was six, um, he was basically working a lot down in London, um, kind of building in and around Canary Wharf and that area. So that meant we had to move down south. And so, like I said, when I was six, we all moved to Hertfordshire mm. um, and then moved kind of in between, for, well, for anyone that knows, um, a place called Hartford and Hoddesdon. Mm. So that's where I grew up from the age of like six to 25. Mm. What was it like as a six-year-old boy moving from like your first home to somewhere di totally different? And to be honest. New place, I, new friends. I can't really remember. Um, I remember we. Where do I start? I can't remember how old I was, but we were actually going to move towns, and it. But it was only looking back, it was only about twenty, thirty minutes away, and that that freaked me out. Mm. So I thought that twenty, thirty minutes was like four hours. 
Mm. I just thought I was going to be away from my friends and this and the other. And it probably wasn't going to be the case. Um, The move at six, to be honest, I can't remember. Uh, I can't remember if I was nervous about it. I can't remember if Mm. I actually knew what was going on. So that side of things, I probably can't answer. Mm -hmm. How did that affect your schooling? Because I guess you were sort of transferring from primary schools, still a young age. So and you having to adjust Uh, to new school. and Yeah, so we just went into... We actually moved to a local village called Benjo, and that and that had a, pri- a primary school, um, yeah, primary school in it that had, yeah, 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 hmm. it had, yeah. So I just moved into a local school, and all I remember from that is my first day, there was a kid in my year, who was about eight foot ten, and wow, first, well, maybe a bit short, it was probably eight foot six. But like the first assembly, he kind of came crawling over and I was just like, who the fuck is this bloke? Um, but my my memories of that school are, are all quite good, actually. Um, yeah. I've actually got, probably this year, I've had three clients from my from my junior primary school, whatever they're called. Um, really? Wow. Yeah. So that's been quite Do you cool. remember them back then as school Yeah, kids? kind of. Not, not kind of their personalities or anything but I, I seem to remember it, I've got good memories of that school um, I think we all kind of got on and because it was kind of a small village everyone knew each other everyone lived near each other mm-hmm. so all memories of that school are, are, are quite positive yeah do you have like a, a happiest memory of that time that time not really just probably the house we were in um was it, it was a big yeah it was a big posh house okay. so um it, it wasn't a private road but it was mm-hmm. kind of a secluded road mm-hmm. and memories of that time are hanging around with my neighbors especially our next door neighbors they had a couple of older kids Mm. I suppose they took me under their wing a bit and we used to skateboard and um, play football and listen to gangster rap really (laughs) what what year was that (laughs) I don't know late 80s early 90s so I (laughs) I remember this is one of the few things I do remember from back then I went home and asked my dad if we could go to a a rap gig. What right. Do I sound so old and white. <laughs> a rap concert um, <laughs> in Brixton. Wow. I, I think I was probably about, God, 13, 14 at most. Because yeah. they, they were older, so they could obviously take themselves down there. Right. But they were like, you are not going to Brixton. And I'm like, <laughs> well, this is quite unfair. Looking back, I now know why. Mm. Um but yeah, I was a skateboard kid listening to rap um, and playing a lot of sport. Wow. And what about at school? You know, what did you enjoy at school? It so you're obviously very sporty and kind of yeah, I was say, being active. Like, when I was looking through your questions, a lot of it was a lot of it is sport related. Yeah. So I played a lot of football when I went to senior school. 
I played more or less every sport for the school apart from basketball. So a, a lot of my memories and a lot of the family-related memories are around sport. Um, I remember dad taking me to play. So I went to a, the school was called Benjo, but the, the village had a football mm. team called Benjo Tigers. Mm -hmm. And I remember my dad taking me to the first training session. And really it was just all the kids from school. Yeah. And I, I sat in the car crying, not wanting to go out for because I was scared. Really? Yeah. What were you scared of looking no back? Idea. No idea. Um, so it's probably why I'm socially awkward mm. and no, I'm nervous around people now. Right, right. But yeah, See? I remember I remember crying to the point where we had to go home and then I think we went the next week and I went and joined in. All right, okay. So you're able to go back. So I wonder what oh, yeah, that's went, about. If you right, okay. What what helped do you think? What enabled you at that point then to go back and do it? No idea. No idea. Okay. It was either an arm around the shoulder from my dad or he probably said, <laughs> If you don't go back, I'm gonna kick your fuck out of here. Right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I, I, can't, I can't remember how or why I went back, but I just w went back. Yeah. Who was your biggest influence as a kid back then, when you look back? Uh, it was probably my dad. Yeah. So he would take me to, like, my mum and dad came to every single game. Wow. Well, not obviously not every single game, but from the age of six or seven, there were every mm. single game every single rugby match. And there was a point where when I started playing rugby league at the age of 16, 17, um, because of the level we were playing at, all our games would be up north in Yorkshire and Lancashire and sometimes mm. further. They would even come to most of the away games. Right. So they basically travelled the country watching me play sport quite badly. Now, obviously... Uh, it allowed, we still had family up north, so my grandparents, mm. aunties, uncles, so it obviously gave them a chance to see them and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, they, they couldn't, they could have not done it. Yeah, and sounds like they were pretty dedicated and, and highly oh, yeah. supportive yeah. for you. And I suppose that makes me think, you know, when you look at you now and your life now and how disciplined you are with your own, I suppose, physical, um, well, your fitness, it sounds like from a very young age, kind of it, it you know that shaped you from a young age isn't it that routine of being in the sports and the discipline and structure and yes yeah, so I'm just wondering about the influence that all had on, on you today I've, I've spoken about this in another podcast uh, right the one with Chris in the team sports build it builds something in you mm. in, in regards to you doing your own job mm. to help the team, mm -hmm. but that feeling of not letting anyone else down as well. Right. And is that something that you value then, that you think you were taught back then that is important now? That... I'm not sure if anyone pulled me to one side and or whether it was in team talks or whatever, but it was just, I think most people that have played a team sport have experienced that. Mm. that there's... There's an emphasis on you doing your job as best as you can in, in, as an individual. Yeah. But then 
as a collective, it's also your responsibility to be trusted and do your jobs for those around you, mm-hmm. um, which I like to think I did. And I, I, I'm not sure how that translates to what I do now. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, in regards to me, I first set foot in a gym when I was 16. I actually did some work experience in a gym for, for a week. Right. Then, <clears throat> How did that come about? Because that's quite young to be going to a gym, isn't it? Um, like, sounds it to so, me. Again, my dad just dragged me along. I mean, <laughs> it, it, was okay. a summer, it was summer holidays. I was laying in bed, eating, probably playing with myself a bit too much. And <laughs> it was like, you're just getting to the you're, you're coming to the gym. So he, he always right. went to the gym kind of. It was like, come on, you're coming to the gym. And I've not missed, probably not missed a week since then. Really? <laughs> apart, from, well, apart, apart from being injured and holidays and stuff like that, I've consistently been to the gym since I was 16 years old. Wow. So I, your, I, dad's, your dad's sorry, had a massive influence then on your life, hasn't Yeah, so... It? How it's shaped, you know, it sounds like in terms of shaping your life and how yeah, you live your life. So he... He obviously took me to the gym. He's a big reason why I started playing rugby. We have a, a history of rugby league in the family. So my, mm-hmm. granddad, my granddad played international level rugby league. Um, my dad played international level at like under 19s, under 20s. Oh, wow. Gosh. Um, and I haven't played international level. but I. So that's where kind of the rugby side of things comes from. Yeah. Um, obviously, we had the family business that he was running. Um, but a lot of that comes down to just, and I suppose we'll touch on this maybe a bit later on, me having no idea what I wanted to do or why mm. in my life. So I kind of mm-hmm. fell into I fell into construction after mm. school because I was just lost. Lost and no right. idea what I wanted to do. Right. So when you were at school and stuff, did, apart from the sports, was there any other kind of things that you enjoyed doing that you felt you were good at? I enjoyed biology. I don't know why. Um, I think I, for some reason I was quite good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, I had my head teacher teaching us for a bit, and I think I enjoyed that. Yeah. Just because in a weird way I kind of got on with him. Maybe I wanted to impress him. I don't know. Right. What was um, it about him that you kind of related to? Um, what kind of a person was he? What? Quiet. He was quite a discipline. Let's get this right. Disciplinarian. Right. Maybe I respond well to discipline. <laughs> it's just there's a theme, isn't there? Yeah. 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 Maybe. Yeah. Kind of. I don't know. Was he? I mean, disciplined in in disciplinarian in terms of being quite strict or. Yeah, was he, was, he was very strict. Everyone was right. pretty scared of him. Really. All right. So maybe no real warmth there, but a little bit of fear. Maybe. We all respond to a bit of fear, don't we? <laughs> but yeah, no, it's definitely, there seems to be a theme running through, doesn't there? That kind of like, it sounds like, you know, I'm not saying that you, your dad was strict, but it sounds like kind of what your dad wanted you do, to do, you kind of followed and, you know, oh, yeah. it, did yeah. you, was it, because it feels to me like there's a sense of wanting to please your dad maybe and. Probably. Late, yeah. Yeah. Mm. And then there was the same with you, t- your teacher as well. Maybe. So that sense of 
yeah pleasing people and making people proud of you and yeah I suppose so I okay I suppose it comes back to me yeah not having much confidence in myself which is why I suppose I like the gym yeah and that's interesting isn't it given what you do now because you put yourself out there you know so um and you know well, for everyone this, to see this so. brings up a very good point I put myself mm. out there a lot on social media yeah because I can for some reason I feel comfortable doing that right if you put me in a busy gym I'd struggle going up and talking to people and that kind of thing right which is probably why my in my I, my PT business did well, like I was busy, I was getting good results, but it was never as good as it should have been. Mm. A lot of that is because of me not struggling to put myself out there in the gym. Right. Is that something to do with relationships with peers and that sense of being kind of judged or, or kind of compared or whereas like, maybe with older people, there's, you know, less of that worrying no, i'm not sure if, i just think like personality wise i'm a lot like my mum she's very quiet mm. um i suppose quite timid and so i'm like her and my sister is like my dad right a bit, a bit louder is she older or younger she's younger right she, she yeah she's a complete opposite of me right okay and you get on yeah, fine. Yeah. Not when she was a kid because she was a nightmare, but we're, yeah. all, we're all good. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So interesting. We've already kind of picked up on a theme there about you kind of, you know, doing quite well under people maybe that are quite um, strict and give you maybe very, you know, it sounds like maybe very clear boundaries as well. So you know where you are with things and so this is probably why I struggle being self-employed because I'm my own boss and I don't have boundaries. Mm. So I spend most of the day on messing about on Instagram rather than doing half the work I'm supposed to do. Right, right. Is that an avoidance as well? Yeah. Of doing yeah. something? Yeah. Probably that. Um, and is the avoidance, do we go back to relating to having to connect with people and that's where you feel a bit self-conscious and not very confident? Or... Maybe, yeah. Yeah, probably. Mm. But yet you, like I say, you know, the persona you give, you wouldn't think that you have that kind of, that struggle. I think you mask it quite well, Scott. Instagram versus reality. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well... <clears throat> I suppose we're all two or three different people as well, aren't we? Yeah. If you're in the situations where you're comfortable, then you're mm. you're obviously more outgoing, more this, more that. Mm. And in situations where you're not as comfortable, you're you're to a degree you're someone else or just a different version of that person. Yeah, yeah. Kind of so, adapting to your environment. So, like, I suppose on social media. I'm just more comfortable, therefore I'm quite outgoing on it, I suppose. Mm. I, I hate parts of it, don't get me wrong, but like messing about and jumping around and having to talk, like it doesn't mm. come naturally to me, but I'm just more comfortable doing that than approaching a complete stranger in the gym to get to know them in the hope that yeah. they might end up signing up with me in six months' time. Yeah, yeah. So we've kind of talked a lot 
quite a bit at the moment about kind of you and your childhood. I'm just wondering now, kind of thinking about your situation and your own family and being a dad and, you know, how that's changed you or, um, you right. know, having those... So, well, first of all, it put me in therapy. But <laughs> before that... <laughs> what was like, that about? What do you think that well, was about? We'll get to that in a bit. Okay. But, Obviously, becoming a dad has changed me. Mm. Our life has obviously changed, and anyone that's a parent will will know what I'm on about. But I don't think it's changed me massively as a person in regards to who I am, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm, yeah. What changed me and what changed my life massively for the better was what happened to then becoming a PT. Mm-hmm. and everything around that and it because it all kind of happened at the same time so around the age of 29 28 29 i'd been in doing construction for best part of, uh, yeah 10 years mm-hmm. hated it no interest completely lost so still lost from school right really no idea what i wanted to do and it just got to the point where we had to do something like the business. Uh, yeah, the business was going completely downhill. Mm. None of us had any money, which is why the whole family ended up leaving Spain. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of right. What what we're going to do? And we were looking at numerous things to do together. But I was just like, right, I'm, I think I can do personal training. Mm-hmm. Right, I saw some PTs in the gym here in Spain. They were shit. Mm. and I thought well and I you know I'd helped a few people with a bit of advice here and there as it yeah. turned out I didn't have a clue what I was talking about but I decided to sign up to a PT course mm-hmm. and that just gave me a complete new lease of life yeah and I suppose it's that like when people come to me they're putting it off, they're putting it off. And mm. very often it's rock bottom, but they come to a point where they're like, I, I fucking need to do something about this. Yeah. And just that reaching out and asking for help can flick that switch in someone to be a completely different person and see a light at the end of the tunnel. Mm. Doing that course did that because right. I, I could see a way out. I, I suppose I could see some form of new life for me. Halfway through that, me and Janie started seeing each other. And um, where shall I go with this story? Yeah, so we started seeing each other over the course of a summer. So like June and July. I can't mm. remember. She's probably going to shout at me for that. But <laughs> on the, like, the fourth or fifth day, she was like, oh, I'm moving to Manchester. And that was for two reasons. One her work had died down and there wasn't a huge amount of work here at the time. So she had Mm. to work elsewhere. Her sister had been diagnosed with breast cancer for the first time, who has been on the podcast, Joe, if you've not listened to the podcast, go and listen. And so she, and she lived in Liverpool, therefore she needed to be with her, uh, sorry, near her. Mm. So we kind of decided to carry on seeing each other did the long distance thing for about six months. I went there a couple of times. She came here a couple of times. And then it was what the February. So we started dating June, July. 
in the February, there wasn't any work. And dad just said, just go over for a couple of weeks and see what happens. Yeah. And I think we both knew it wasn't going to be a couple of weeks. So I just moved yeah. over, literally rung Janie. We're outside a bar in um, Port Venus and said, look, I'm coming over for a couple of weeks. She's like, all right, okay. Um, she lived in a, a tiny studio. Mm. Um, and that was it. Moved to Manchester. I, I landed in Liverpool. It was freezing cold. The rain was going sideways. It was fucking horrible. And I just started applying for every job going. Mm-hmm. It, that was a nightmare. I got to. But you were still at that point, even as horrible as it was, determined to make a well, go. To be honest, I, I, looking back, it was quite enjoyable. Like when, right. like to a degree, I didn't have anything. I was I signed on for job seekers allowance. Yeah. Um, I remember an hour long phone call trying to. It was emergency job seekers or something because you oh, had, right. had to wait. And I was like, well, I've got no money. I can't wait. So I spent an hour on the phone outside the job center in the rain. <clears throat> At the end of that hour-long conversation, they said they'll give me 18 pounds. And I was jumping up and I was jumping up and down because I thought he said 80. <laughs> um, and then like 18, I was just like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with that? Gosh. Um, yeah, and then got a job handing out leaflets for a gym and just did all the usual, going to some really shit job interviews that I didn't want the job for anyway. And then I eventually got a job at um, Pure Gym in Rochdale. Right. I mean, that's a lot of uncertainty that you kind of managed to navigate through, isn't it? And I just, yeah. and also, you know, what, as you know, a couple of things that struck me about, you know, that having that belief in yourself that, you know, you could do that course, that you knew that this was something that you'd be good at. But yet, you know, so on one, it, it's that, like those extremes of in one hand, you, you were saying that you, you weren't very confident. and But then actually you had a huge amount of self-belief to be able to kind of go ahead and just think, you know what, I can do this. And then actually all your circumstances that you dealt with after that, you know, the uncertainty, the instability of what was going to happen. Where does all that come from? That's that. Uh, I don't know. But I suppose a lot of it is it had to work. Mm -hmm. You know, there wasn't really a choice. Right, okay. So it was just a case of keep going until it sorts itself out. Right, yeah. I wish I would have that kind of mentality towards some other stuff mm. in regard in regards to like building my business in certain ways and mm. branching out and doing something different because I keep talking myself out of it or I keep right. thinking of the negatives rather than positives. Right. So it's, it's kind of that thing, what we spoke about when you are at rock bottom or mm. when you're back against the wall or when you haven't really got any other options, you yeah. just stick your head down and keep going until it sorts itself out. Mm -hmm. Whereas when you're in kind of a comfort zone of maybe having a regular income or doing this or doing that, it's a bit harder to get uncomfortable as such. Yeah, but there's there's some important values there that I think maybe, I don't know, you, you need to name them maybe and be more aware that, you know, that you are, you know, very determined, I guess. You had to, you have, had to be at that point to carry on and... Um, 
you know, committed to kind of improving your life, you know, that sense of I've just got to keep going until, you know, this gets better. Well, I suppose in a way... And resilience, you know, a huge amount of resilience. Yeah, well, I suppose I've always had that. Where does that come from? Probably comes back to sport again. Yeah. You know, when... When you've when you've done some very 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 hard training sessions that have made you want to either be sick or shit your pants, <laughs> and they say right you're going again because that wasn't good enough, you you kind of build the resilience of not not giving yeah. up. And, well, and experiencing quite severe pain as well, I guess. Yeah, and that obviously that is done to set yourself up for match situations that that mimic that right so when you have to dig deep you you've got that experience of the training to know right we can do x y and z mm. we, we we we've reached a, a level a level a, yeah a level of physical exhaustion that we never thought was yeah um, there so what we what we can get through in a game you know we, we can deal with so there's things like that that probably yeah. relate to business and everything else. So a lot of, a lot and of actually money. lessons learned. Sorry to interject, but lessons learned at quite a young age that you know you actually can get through some pretty pretty tough, pretty painful yeah. situations. Yeah. Yes. You know. Hmm. I'm just reflecting that too. You said that it, hopefully it might absorb in. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to my review. <laughs> Sorry, my report. <laughs> I'm not doing a report. I told you. <laughs> it costs too much if this was um professional. <laughs> but um, but okay, so you, you touched on it about and you know, so why in certain areas of your business maybe you're not um channeling so much energy or developing in and that was one of the things that we were gonna kind of look at, wasn't it? It's just um thinking about you know the vision for your business and where do you see it going and kind yeah, of at, what's your motivation moment, around that um this is something i've been struggling with um for a couple of years i suppose mm. um like at the moment where my business is at <clears throat> it it just needs to be better like in in regards to numbers and income and things like that I'm, mm. I'm happy. I'm happy with what I'm providing clients. I'm happy with obviously things can always be tweaked and and mm. modernised and things like that. But I'm doing the way I'm coaching and what yeah. I'm providing is what I want to do. Yeah. Like at the moment, I don't want to do group stuff. I don't want to do cheaper stuff that is less mm. hands on. I want to be hands on with my clients and providing them what 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 I'm yeah. providing yeah um, it just at the moment it just needs to be better from a, a numbers point of view an income point of view right so it's not kind of growing the business in different areas it's keeping it where it is now but just growing the size of it yeah so at the moment yes now in the past I've obviously considered opening up my own unit and yeah groups and things like that which most have been enjoyable and but as it stands at the moment, I'm doing exactly what I want to be doing. Right. It just needs to be a bit better. I suppose that's 
kind of goes back to what you were saying about when you're in a comfortable situation, then maybe there isn't as much of motivation there because, you know, actually this is how you want it to be. Mm. But it's just having, like you say, more of an income. Yeah, well, well, I've been doing this for a long time now. So that there's always dips in motivation to build and, and stuff like that. So I suppose in regards to my business, I'm in a maintenance phase. Right, okay. A maintenance phase can be quite boring. Boring, but also difficult because you've always said that to me when, you know, when, I mean, I know that I've been through struggles trying to like lose the weight, but eventually when I get to maintenance, I think that's in some respects can be more difficult, can't it? Yeah, but, but I don't mean boring in regards to speaking to my clients and dealing with my clients. It's just yeah. just all the business stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the moment, I'm a bit sick of social being on social media and everything that involves. Um, so, yeah, I suppose it, it yeah, just, the, just the, the stresses and strains of being self-employed, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Because when it's not going well, it's my fault because mm. I'm I'm everything. When it's going well, okay, that's my that's my doing. But you know, you are you are every single part of your business. You're the marketing yeah. manager. You're the accountant. You're the head coach. You're you're the boss. You're the HR department. <laughs> I should have sacked myself a long time ago. But <laughs> um, yeah, it it can it can be draining at times. Yeah, and quite a burden as well, I guess. Yeah, which is why I've employed business coaches as, uh, and stuff mm. like that, which is mm -hmm. why I encourage people struggling with their weight loss to get a coach because yeah, there's, there's a professional there to take the burden from you or some of the burden and just steer you in a better direction. So yeah, that, you know, yeah. that's, why, that's why I've used business coaches in the past. Yeah. Just, just thinking about your business just moving on a little bit but I'm just curious to know you know you I think anyone that sees your Instagram stories and the information you put out there I mean you've just this week haven't you put out a free kind of challenge for for people to kind of get support and I, you know where it's clear that you have a huge amount of passion and you care you know in terms of wanting to help people you know improve their life and their well-being so where does that come from? I'm I'm not sure. So I'll go back to when I first got in the industry. Like mm -hmm. I was, <clears throat> I, I was amazed by like the before and after pictures and stuff. And I don't. Maybe that's just the way the industry was then. There was a few transformation companies about, and they were doing these big transformation before and after photos. And I suppose my training at that time was very visually based I, I don't all I did was want to look good yeah you know I, I wanted some arms and some abs and I wanted to look good naked so when I was seeing these before and after pictures that was mm. quite appealing to me mm -hmm. and then you start helping people and I suppose you you just soon realize that it's really good helping people and um, I had an ex-client come to me about two months ago Mm -hmm. uh, she, she finished with me two or three years ago did really well she's quite young but has got has got a very good job um like a, a corporate based job so well well paid for her age i suppose 
Yeah. And she's just not enjoying it. And because of the love she got of training and looking after herself and that kind of thing, mm -hmm. she started having a few friends ask her for help and advice. And part of her message when she was asking about advice about going into the industry was, I just really like helping people. Yeah. And she's to the point where she's happy to take that, to walk away from what sounds like a very um, good job with great possibilities. Mm -hmm. If she's getting paid very well at a young age, there's obviously huge possibilities there to yeah. um, carry that on and, and achieve something incredible, but it's not fulfilling her. So I suppose, like I say, I just really like helping people. What does it do for you when you see people kind of that you've helped? Just, what was the feelings that go with that? And... Just massive pride. And yeah. I suppose it comes because I see where they've started. Mm -hmm. And I don't just mean being overweight. Mm. You know, in the conversations we have, you know, clients, a lot of clients tell me absolutely everything. Yeah, yeah. I know about their trauma. I know what I know more than some people's families. Yeah. Trauma, um, abuse, mm -hmm. mental health issues, mm -hmm. their sex life. Mm -hmm. I know their cycle. I, I know when I probably know when they're having a period before they do. Yeah. I know more or less everything about a client, the good, the bad, the ugly. And then we go through this journey together. And again, that, that has its ups and downs. Well, you know more than most. <laughs> it has its up. You know, yeah. The journey is never perfect. So there's the good, the bad, the ugly in that. Mm. And then we get to this end point where, yes, on my social media, you'll often maybe see the before and after pictures, but I try to give the story of the behind the scenes as well. So a lot, of, a lot of people come to me at a very low point after trying for years and years and years and years. Like some, some people have been tr struggling for 20, 30 years. Yeah. And like I said, we go through this process together. We go through these highs and lows together, and then we come out the other end. Mm. You know, that just fills me with massive pride. It, yeah. Obviously very happy for them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, let's be honest, it's an ego boost as well. But I, you know, there's nothing wrong with doing something to make that when it makes you feel good, you know, and um, and give you gives you a sense of purpose, and you know, and I guess it also you know reinforces that belief that actually this is something that you're good at, that you can do well at, you know, that you yeah, actually because... that people really warm to you and gravitate to you, and that's why they do so well because they do open up a lot. And I guess that also shows just how complex the whole weight loss industry is, isn't it? You know, it's not just about losing the weight. You know, it, it's about every the whole picture, isn't it? The, the whole picture of well-being. And... Well, yeah, because I, I probably jumped over, over a few things there. Like, I'll just probably thought, oh, well, we train them a bit and there'll be this mm. end outcome. And you soon realise... Yeah. like that you, you're more of a psychologist more than a yeah. trainer and which is why I went deeply into the nutrition side of things because mm -hmm. I just kind of I, I don't know why but I naturally evolved down this nutrition side of things and 
probably more later on to the mindset side of things mm -hmm. because I saw how important it was. Yeah, like, yeah. I knew I knew I couldn't help these people without the correct nutrition knowledge and the correct mindset knowledge. So that's why I ventured down that way. Mm -hmm. And then because of that, all the way through my career, probably 80, 90% of my clients have been women. So it was just mm -hmm. a natural progression to be solely women. All I'm yeah. saying that I've still got a few blokes on my team, but and then I suppose it, it's evolved a bit with how I've evolved as well. Because like I said, I was very um, aesthetic based in regards to my training. Yeah. So I, I loved seeing those photo shoots. People mm -hmm. did. Um, every every Tom Dick and Harry does it now, but. I did photo shoots for my clients. I obviously did that bodybuilding show. Yeah. And then maybe, you know, maybe just with age and obviously maybe becoming a dad, I've just evolved into my, my own training has changed, mainly because I'm always injured, but therefore my business has kind of changed a bit. Mm -hmm. so, you know, looking back, I was always, you need to be in the gym lifting weights. You need to do this. You need to do that. And now, as most people listening to this will know, I'm just more right. What do you enjoy doing? Yeah. How can we get you doing this consistently? Um, moving away probably more from the extreme side of the before and after type thing. I'd, I'd like to do transformation type stuff, but I've seen the downside of it. Yeah. Um the companies I used to look up to, I've realized a shit mm. and only got a lot of them results because they were over-restricting their clients for a 12-week transformation. Yeah. And a few of them clients come to me because and they've been ruined. Mm -hmm. and, you know, having that to my name just obviously makes me feel very uncomfortable. But even even doing the transformation side of things, in what I saw as an ethical manner. Yeah. Like the message I was giving to them was flexible and everything else, but there was that pressure of a photo shoot and the pressure of an end point. Yeah. And some people didn't deal well with that. So I don't really want, I, I don't want that to my name. Yeah. So yeah. it's just evolved to this more, um, still obviously results driven there's still a physical element to it but i suppose there's a, a more long-term outcome hopefully yeah and it's so what this, so what i'm hearing is one of the things you really you know it's important to you is kind of you know that you work um you know in keeping with your ethic you know your ethical kind of beliefs and um in with integrity and um i mean it's really for me, as an observer, you know, it would be quite easy for you to be kind of buying in more to all these kinds of, you know, sort of um, the stuff that's out there. But actually, you're still being quite principled and sticking yeah, with what you believe in. Hmm? I'm very, very, um, what's the word, moral-based, principle-based when it comes yeah. to how I run my business. Yeah, how, yeah. How I, how I deal with my clients. Yeah, yeah. Or I try to be. Obviously, you can't please everyone. 
you know, there'll be ex-clients out there that think I'm a piece of shit for whatever reason. Mm. But 99% of the time, I can look back at everything and think, you know what, I was doing my best for that person. Yeah. And... Yeah, and for you, I, that's I, the most important thing, isn't it? Look, look I lose sleep over it. Mm. You know, even if I know a client... You know, clients obviously lie to me. Yeah. I, you know, I try to provide an environment for them so they can be an on, as honest and open with me. You know, mm -hmm. some people just don't feel like they, they can do that. So mm -hmm. I know some people are lying to me. Or if a client isn't getting results, even if they are lying to me, that's my responsibility mm -hmm. because they don't feel they can be honest with me. Right. So I'm then laying, I'm laying awake at night thinking, how can I get this person to be honest with oh. me about ruining yeah. the relationship gosh yeah Where that is a huge responsibility because that's yeah. almost like as a therapist what what you're trying what you're saying there is that how can I create a safe enough space for this person to open up to me yeah because like some people will just go you're lying to me I'm I'm sacking you as a client mm. but I, the way I see it is it's my responsibility as that person's coach to provide that environment for that person to feel like they can be honest with me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, it still may break down. You know, maybe I look back and think, you know what, I should have actually sacked them. But that's the way I look at it. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's important. You know, it, it, it maintains that kind of authenticity for your business, doesn't it? You know, and that's what makes... I think you unique in comparison to others that you see. I well, and hopefully others others will see that and sense that with what I they like, see. I like to think so. Um, to go off topic, I reckon we've got about ten minutes. Right. Well, okay. Let's. <laughs> I was just going to come on to because we were talk we were starting to talk a bit about emotions and stuff, and I don't want to get too heavy with this. You know, let's keep. But in terms of like happiness. So what does happen, you know, let's let's think more positively, I suppose. So what does happiness look like to you? Right. I have it. Yeah. So, um, I remember a year before we moved out here, I was at a seminar and we had to map out our perfect day or our perfect life. Mm. I am living that life. Wow. But... There are obviously times where I'm not happy. Mm. Um, and like I ended up. But that's therapy. normal, isn't it? Yeah, but like to the point where I was depressed and ended up in therapy. Right. Um, are you able to share a little bit? I don't want to go into too much there, but just kind of if you've well, got just, have you got an idea I, of I don't what think that was about. I didn't um I didn't deal with becoming a dad very well. I put too much pressure on myself no. to do certain things and yeah you know right I suppose I was like right this is what I'm going to do this is how my day is going to look this is how the week is going to look and I got it completely wrong right but rather than stepping back and changing I was trying to battle on with it right and then the lack of sleep and everything else it, mm -hmm. it just kind of broke me right um, I joined a mentoring group that was very heavily sales and money orientated right. and it wasn't an environment that was good for me 
um, it, it was asking, like, yeah, some of the stuff they were asking us to do and think and mm. be just didn't sit well with me. And I, I just didn't really suit being in an environment that was just talking about money all the time. And, mm -hmm. you know, I enjoy making money. And one of the things I want to improve in my life at the moment is just being a bit more financially stable. That's probably where one of the biggest stress comes from. Yeah. Um. So that's kind of where all, all that happened. I mean, that's pretty in incredible, isn't it? To think that, you know, so how long ago was it that you mapped out what you wanted your life to look like? Um, six years ago. Right. So six years ago, you mapped it. You mapped out this vision of, of what your life wanted, you wanted it to look like. And, and actually, you live in it now. I mean, not many people will have the, the determination or, the, you know. The... Well, I suppose the plus point was I was quite re realistic with it. Like some mm. people are talking about driving Rolls Royces and living in a mansion, and you know some of them probably might be doing that. Um, but mine was well, I knew we we're living out here. We, sorry, I knew we were going to move out here. So it was really how do I want my life in Spain to look? And mm. it was at the time doing a few PT sessions each day in the morning. Um, I didn't want to be working all the hours that I worked in a gym in England. Um, yeah. It's a miserable existence, and it's why the industry has such a big dropout rate. Mm -hmm. So it was some clients here, and then building up my online business. I, off the top of my head, I think I said I wanted 20 online clients. It, it might have been, right. 10, it might have been yeah. 10 at the time, I'm not sure. Yeah. Th there's been times since then where those numbers have been much higher mm -hmm. and so you know we're walk, walking the dog on the beach mm. obviously we've got Lola you've met her she's quite a character she's so, fabulous <laughs> so, you know I've I've got a very good life yeah but you know there, there's been that side of me where I've just not been content with whatever um mm. so what did you learn from that process going through that kind of I suppose that storm at that time uh, what did you what did you learn that you can kind of apply now to the future if, if you've got any warning signs to say hang on a minute I feel that storm's about to approach again maybe uh, oh that's a fucking good point <laughs> what's in your coping toolkit I guess you know from that whole process that you learned I'm not sure I've, I've got a coping toolkit to be honest it's right. just trying to catch it before it gets to that point. Yeah. You know, I don't want to be bursting out in tears walking the dog again. Yeah. Um, so probably speaking to Janie a lot earlier rather than yeah. bottling it all up because that's all I did was just bottle it all up. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, getting it earlier, knowing that it will sort itself out in the end as long as I'm doing all the things that I need to do and what's the other one I've just thought of and I've completely forgotten um yeah I suppose at the time just getting to that point and it kind of relates to what I was saying about kind of hitting this perceived rock bottom as such when I'm mm. careers there's quite there's a there's a contentment in feeling like you've not got anything mm. 
So like when we moved to Spain, I didn't, I didn't have no clients. Yeah. I had, I had a bit of savings, but I had no clients. Yeah. That was some of the best memories because I suppose you're quite content in, because you only, I suppose that you, you're aiming for something that there's a build, there's a, there's a future, there's a building process to go through. So I suppose that's where yeah. the excitement comes from. Mm -hmm. But I, I suppose, was it two years ago, maybe now, you feel like you haven't got anything mm. in a weird way. And with Sometimes that, that can be liberating though, can't yeah, it? That, People I suppose talk that's, about. that's the word I was looking at, liberating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just aware of time, so I am going to um, just ask you one um, fun question then. If you had a superpower, Scott, what would it be? Um, to run a marathon in under four hours so I no longer have to run a marathon ever again. <laughs> so what's your superpower would be to be a super runner? Basically, well, I'm not sure sub four hours is super runner, but I just <laughs> want to be average enough to get below four hours so I never have to uh, my tone my toenails will never forgive me if I do another <laughs> marathon after this so that's something that you're as aspiring to do that's your goal what about yeah. a superpower though you know if you if you kind of it, um superpower mm. to not care <laughs> to not care yeah. Oh no, but that wouldn't be you then, would it? Well, maybe then. <laughs> Are we wrapping it up? There? We're wrapping it up. Well, just I'm I'm intrigued because I'm I'm obviously not gonna do any formal formulation or diagnosis. But how have you found this conversation? And has anything, you know, reflecting on things? Is well, it kind of? It feels like it's been a bit negative, to be honest. Does it? Yeah. Well, obviously, from my point of, from my end. Um, I think we've talked a lot about resilience and how determined yeah, you've been yeah. through life. Oh, I'm sure. If you've listened to this, give me some feedback. <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel very exposed. Right. That has basically been a therapy session that is going out to the public. <laughs> well, that, that's I, just been. to reassure people, I will be on hand now for start after this session yeah. <laughs> to go through yeah. things in more detail. And maybe we've just set up your um, side business. Uh. <laughs> so if you would like Kath to give you some psychological help, <laughs> I'll, I'll put her details in the podcast. Like I say, this has been an informal chat <laughs> and a very, well, I've enjoyed it. I've learned more about you and it's been, yeah, it's been good to kind of hear you know, you, you go through life and you've got through some real struggles. And it's just, one. I think that's wonderful to see that you've got some, you know, massive struggles, even as a child, you know, feeling unsettled and having to move at such a young age. And that can be really disruptive. So I think maybe what I'm seeing is that you're not very good at kind of seeing the positives in your life. But certainly that, maybe that, not. That is a very good point, yeah. Mm. And on that note... <laughs> <laughs> no let's just leave it there I'll, yeah, okay I'll like a motivational talk to end on or something but let's just leave it there i okay. hope you've all enjoyed well first Kath, thank you very much i know i've not been able to see you i but, know sorry um, about that i'll send you a picture yeah cheers thank you very much um i hope you've all enjoyed it please give me some feedback um 
only if it's good. Love you all. Goodbye.